Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. As Beth Phoenix kicked off this week's episode of Raw, so somebody must have told them, <laughs> Judgment Day at the arena, because those two cannot handle the Judgment Day. My big question is, who the hell was taking care of their kids? We also got a video reminding us this has been going on since October. It's a bit like, why don't you guys just hug it out already? <laughs> when Edge got on the microphone, he was all like, ha I've come back again. Isn't it getting silly? Uh, yeah, it's just a little bit, Edge, you do come back a lot. The entrance of these two was also hilarious as well because Beth Phoenix walked out and kind of stood there like she was some kind of soldier warrior, whereas the rated R superstar was just running around like he was a child. And Beth even looked at him at one point like, are you done? Are you done? Maybe we should just head to the ring. Now, Edge did admit he was responsible for Judgment Day, but also don't forget when he did set this up, he did so because he wanted everyone involved to get better. And look at them now. Finn Balor is killing it. Rhea Ripley is killing it. Damian Priest is killing it. And then there's Dominic Mysterio too. Honestly, I don't care what you say. The condom is the best part of the show. Edge then admitted he would stop at nothing to get his pound of flesh. I was like, what the hell does that mean? And once again, I think Beth was sick of it because she was like, oh, for goodness. Can we just get these idiots out here so we can do something about it? Now they did do this, although Rhea Ripley wasn't there, which I do kind of like. I believe she's back in Australia visiting family, but her absence makes her presence go stronger. And obviously these three were like, listen, Edge, we think you absolutely suck. When Don got on the microphone and started talking about prison life. He has been through hard times. Priest was a bit sick of this too because Edge and Beth just keep respawning. When he turned his attention to Angelo Dawkins, he was like, I'm going to beat that guy later and I'm going to go to Money in the Bank. (laughs) Now, fair play to Damo. He played this off great, but I love little mistakes like this because I do it all the time. It just reminds you that we're human and of course he meant meant the chip. And of course he meant the Elimination Chamber. Edge then made a joke about Dom having sex in prison, which was weird when he also made a Jamiroquai virtual insanity reference. I was like, wait a minute. That song came out in 1996. However, I love that tune, so I was happy. The whole point of this, of course, was to set up a tag team match at the pay-per-view premium live event. And yes, we're going to get Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. And I got no problem with that. Eventually, the Judgment Day decided they were just going to beat up the Copelands when Angelo Dawkins ran out to beat some people up and so did Montez Ford. And because he went after Dominic Mysterio, Dom just shouted, Mommy! Before he did get his ass whipped. Somebody give him a medal already. Now, I do have to admit, this opening segment went a little bit too long. We probably could have shaved five minutes off of it, but at least we are still building and we're telling stories. Giving it up. And given that everybody was here, it was time to do Angelo Dawkins versus Damian Priest to see who was going into the chamber. Thought it was pretty good. I really enjoyed seeing Angelo finally get his moment in the spotlight because he has got so good over the last 12 months and he was getting some near falls here. At one point he hit the silencer and followed it up with a swan tom bomb. Not sure I've ever seen him do that on television. 
He got a two. So when we do break up the street profits, do not forget about Dawkins, because like I say, that man can go. Although sadly here, eventually, he did get hit with the big choke slam. One, two, three. But look, it means Damian Priest is going to the chamber. And even if you pulled the trigger and had him win, would I moan about it? No, I would not. Up. Austin Theory then arrived in a Lamborghini. So I was like, well, somebody's doing all right for themselves. When Anna Pierce also officially welcomed the Maximum Male Models to Raw. So I was getting all excited. Goofy wrestling for life. <coughs> Pro wrestling tease. Excuse me. Although then I did get a bit confused. And look, I could be totally wrong here. Especially given what happened later. I thought that the Alpha Academy were on SmackDown. And of course, I want the Triple M and Otis storyline to continue. Now, it does still look like it's heading that way, but good grief is the brand split confusing these days. This is when Chelsea Green also walked up to talk to Adam Pearce, and she was all like, excuse me, last week you gave me Belgian chocolate, not Swiss chocolate, and also, I demand to have a professional wrestling match. So I already love this character because it's absolutely ridiculous, and she told Adam, if you don't give me what I want, I will go to your boss. I was like, well, it used to be Vince McMahon, so now surely it's Triple H. That would be one hell of a weird story to play out on TV. Quick video for the bloodline angle, because basically on WWE nowadays, when they're not on TV, somebody should pop up and go, does anybody want to talk about the bloodline? When it was time for Dexter Loomis versus Baron Corbin, because last week, Dexter had tried to kill JBL with an axe. You tell me. But I didn't get this either, because even though Corbin did indeed jump Loomis before the bell, it took about three minutes, he hit that urinagi rock bottom kind of a thing, and it just... Pin Baron. I was like, what the hell is happening? Now, there is a tease later that we will talk about when Bradshaw absolutely loses his call. But I am going to throw my toys out the pram today because I'm just sick of Baron Corbin losing. Again, I do believe we're going to use this as a catalyst to bring his edge back. Not Adam Copeland, but down. I like Baron. We don't need to keep beating Baron. And there's your catchphrase. Stop beating Baron. Down. Becky Lynch interview next and she was talking about her steel cage match with Bailey and the fact she thinks damage control are a couple of goomers. However, she is going to walk into that steel later and she's going to win, especially because she's got one last ace up her sleeve. I could have tried to guess this until the cows come home. I mean, where they even gone? And I never would have got it in a million years. You will see. When it was time for big men slapping man meat. Alright. Because Brock Lesnar's music hit and everybody seemed quite happy, including the Beast himself, although he did go, <laughs> did everyone enjoy the Royal Rumble? Well, I didn't, because I was only in it for a few minutes before I got thrown out by Bobby Lashley. Now, it massively ruined his brain because he keeps thinking about Bob, which I actually thought was quite sweet. But then Lesnar was all like, I tried to go fishing. I couldn't do it. I was thinking about Bobby Lashley. I tried to eat my steak. I couldn't do it. I was thinking about Bobby Lashley. I humped my wife which took four or five hours, so his penis must be red raw. And what was I doing after I had done the deed? I was thinking about Bobby Lashley. This is when he introduced a contract that he'd been hiding in his $5 denim jacket. He said, Bobby, this is for us to fight the Elimination Chamber. When Bobby Lashley did come to the ring, mostly because the wrestler had said his name so many times, and he's like, man, I'll beat you once. In our second match, you beat me, but I left you laying. So if we do fight again... What do you think's going to happen? Now, we definitely teased that Bob was going to go heel here because he was all like, I ain't going to sign that. My lawyer's going to look at it. My manager's going to look at it. And then when I feel like I'm up to the challenge, I will put my name on the dotted line. He then kind of facepalmed Brock Lesnar as well, which was a really bad idea because he hoisted Lashley up and he gave him the F5. Now, absolutely what should happen here is that Bobby Lashley does win in Montreal after he reforms the Hurt Business. 
And I really like this skit, mostly, because after Brock was about to leave, all the fans started to go, give him another one, give him another F5. And I think he probably called this on the fly because he did it. Was the right choice. This was really fun though, and I'm even more intrigued to see these two go at it at the February pay-per-view premium live event, because what does it mean they're doing at WrestleMania? Maybe we are going to get Brock versus Gunther, which gets me all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. I like this. Uh, more teasing was next. Triple H loves it. But Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis went and found Candice LeRae when Dexter was like, oh, I'm drawing a picture for you. For some reason, LeRae treated him like a 12-year-old. You're like, oh, Dexter, you're so lovely. When you looked at it, though, it was them as a family. <laughs> but there was just this crazy person in the corner. And when Candice asked what this was, it was quite clear that it was Nikki Cross. And then very handedly, who was running around in the background... Was Nikki Cross. Oh, I don't know what her plan was, but she just went <laughs> and she ran away. I was like, how is that creepy at all? And nobody sold it in that sense anyway. But here is the deal. Quite clearly, we are finding out teasing properly that she is going back to her sanity ways. So let's get on the phone and just get the band back together. Eric Young, Killian Day, Alexander Wolf. They never got their chance on the main roster to begin with. So we should start here. Otherwise, though, really weird. The Women's Elimination Chamber qualifying match was after this. It was all right. We had Mia Yim versus Candice LeRae versus Piper Niven versus Carmella. And mostly what we did here was tell anyone, you see this Piper Niven that we used to call Dewdrop? She is a monster. She is a warrior. And if you get in her face, she's going to run you over. So she did. We also made sure that everybody did have a visual pin at 1.2 because Mia Yim hit the eat defeat and Candice was doing stuff as well. But everything kept getting breaking up at the last minute. When Carmella decided, well, I'm going to just come back to this damn TV show, I'm taking over. Now, first she tried this after using the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, but that didn't work. Well, after Candice hit a Bronco Buster, and it's hilarious, that move still exists. Carmella saw Piper Niven running in. She kind of bypassed her, so she gave a cannonball to someone else. She hit her with the super kick, and because Candice Ray had been absolutely murked, Carmella pinned her... She's going to the chamber. So there's not much else to say. We did do what we had to do. And look, it does make sense Carmella winning because you don't want her to return and just be a bunch of nothing. Also, she was kind of doing her NXT gimmick here, which I did enjoy. Up and then, right, we got to this good stuff. Because following my tantrum earlier, we were back with Baron Corbin and JBL. And Corbin was all like, oh, man, let's go out and party on the town. When Bradshaw was like, no, I think you're a waste of space. When you're on the television, people change channel. I don't think I want to hang around with you anymore. Huh? He carried on by calling Corbin a clown and saying there's nothing he can do because you can't polish a turd. And he just stormed off. Now, seriously, if we do not use this as a platform to also turn Baron Corbin kind of back into his NXT character or give him some of those trimmings, I don't know what the hell we're doing. This was even better, too, because if you looked in the background, you could see MVP talking to Shelton Benjamin Cedric Alexander, which is also going to tie in. So look what we're doing here. That's wrong. We're planting seeds. We are making you go, what's going to happen down the line? And I'm excited about all of this. I want the new but old Baron Corbin. I want the hurt business. There's only one thing to do. We are giving it an hour. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. We then had all three of the losers in that women's match fighting backstage because Piper Niven decided she was going to kick the ship out of Candice LeRae when Mia Yim turned up and was like, well, I don't think you should do that. And Niven just walked off. So I guess we're going to do some kind of a tag team match here. And maybe Piper Niven could team up with Nikki Cross. I don't know. Right, yeah. The Alpha Academy were then on Raw. So quite clearly, I have no idea who's on Monday or Friday night. They were also facing Benjamin and Alexander, who were with MVP. And honestly, pigs must be flying. Hell must have frozen over, because these two won. Now, there is a little bit of sadness to this, because eventually I do want the Alpha Academy to get some victories. But given this was only a five-minute tag team match, well, I don't think they could have done any better. This was really fun. Gable, as always, was just so awesome when he was hitting all these German suplexes. Uh, is so good. And at one point, oh, it's just Graham Benjamin. They gave him the world's strongest slam. But of course, we did this so we could get the hot tag to Cedric Alexander. He ran wild. He suplexed some idiots on the outside. When he hit the lumbar check, I even joined in with the referee because I was willing it forward. One, two, three. He did it. So I absolutely thought they did everything they could do. And I just like both teams so much. And I hope throughout 2023, they just have a good time. Also, don't forget, there is supposed to be something with Otis and the Maximum Male Models. I need it up. It was Miz time next. It's not a thing. But he was moaning in the back because he had to face Rick Boogs last week and he wasn't ready. And also, he was wearing a suit, which is a very fair point. This is when Boogs just came busting out the locker room, though. This guy is hilarious. He may as well have just jumped around shouting, I'm so pumped, I'm so hyped, I'm so happy to be here. And also, he is just massive now. He's like a tank. Miz then lost it with Adam Pearce, calling him an absolute moron for letting this happen. So, of course, Adam magically turned up behind him. He was like, oh, you think I'm a Poindexter, do you? Well, next week, it's you versus Boogs. Round two. Now, this would have been so silly if it wasn't for Boogs. I'm going to stop saying that eventually because he just has such a good energy. And this whole skit ended when Chelsea Green re-arrived and was like, oh, it's you again. I'm going to the ring. And don't forget what we talked about. So all of this was a joy because, look, it's characters back in pro wrestling, which is what we need. And had an inkling, had a feeling of what was going to happen because Chelsea did go to the ring. <laughs> and her opponent was Oscar. 
Rutrow. Now I could have done without the other nonsense because for no reason, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, Liv Morgan and everybody else in the Elimination Chamber was just at ringside. And because of that, they all cast distraction when Chelsea Green basically fell into the rings of Saturn and she tapped out. This is when Bianca Belair randomly walked out. I was all like, wait, don't forget I'm the Raw Women's Champion and I still will be after the premium live event. I started looking around my room. I was like, did two pages of the script get stuck together? What are we doing? However, here is the deal. I really enjoyed what Chelsea Green and Oscar did together. The new but old version of Oscar is awesome. And man, this Chelsea Green persona is going to fly. So I'm going to give it an up. But as I say most weeks, can we stop taking all the female angles and just going and throwing them into one? You could have cut all this up. It's a three hour show. We can find the time. None of that matters though because Raw then went to one level and decided to increase the staircase because my word the segment we got next. For it was Cody Rhodes who did get a massive reaction when he came out and he decided he was not going to waste any time because he turned his attentions to Roman Reigns. Here we go. Now there were some Sami Zayn chants because of course they were but Rhodes addressed all of this by going yeah I know the deal. I know my path to WrestleMania is a bit of a rocky one but I love Sam too we'll see what happens in February and we can just take it from there. Basically, Cody respects anybody who stands up for injustice and he considers Sami Zayn a friend. So look what we're doing here, crossing those streams. When of all the people, out came Paul Heyman. He congratulated the American Nightmare on being the Royal Rumble winner and they even shook hands at one point. And even though Cody did mug him off a little bit by saying, my dad had a name for you and so does my brother. You did something a long time ago that I will never forget. So as far as I'm concerned, we'll just call you Mr. Heyman. He then went straight into this tale and said, back in the year 2000, when nothing much has changed, but we all live underwater, the Rhodes family had fallen, quite ironically, on hard times and that Father Dusty was doing anything he could to keep some money in his pocket. This indeed is when Dusty got a phone call from Paul Heyman saying, look, man, you're one of the best. You're an old timer. I'd love for you to come into ECW. And not only did this restore Dusty Rhodes' confidence, but of course it increased his financial coffers. The family never forgot about this. And I don't know whether Cody and Paul Heyman are just the greatest actors ever, but the way they reacted to this, holy crap. It was like somebody got an emotional gun stuck it in your mouth. Cody also said that he'd never be able to thank Heyman enough, especially because he set the template for what the American Nightmare went to do. In the sense, he disrupted the industry, which is exactly what Heyman did with ECW. Heyman was totally knocked by this as well. He was like, man, I was just coming out here to wind you up and now you've made me all sad panda. When he kind of flipped the switch a little bit because he was like, I know what you're doing. Let's not pretend this isn't all about you. Because the storybook ending is Cody Rhodes going to WrestleMania and finally winning that championship. But there's only one problem. He ain't coming up against no schmo. He's coming up against Roman Reigns. Nobody can handle that, including Cody Rhodes, and nobody's going to be able to help him either. When Paul Heyman started to run down every single person that Dusty had helped down in the performance center, I mean, there was Becky Lynch and there was Seth Rollins, and of course, blah, 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 there was Roman Reigns. There was only one person he didn't assist, which was Cody himself, because maybe Dusty wanted him to make him on his own. Once again, I was just like, what's going on with my seeing devices? They have water coming out of them. Heyman finished this absolutely amazing monologue too by saying in his last chat with Dusty, he had told him that Cody was his favorite son, but Roman Reigns was the son he always wanted. <laughs> he dropped the microphone. I was like, that's it. I'm going to die. So this was like a KO blow from a heavyweight boxer and Cody got right in his face. He was like, look, 
I'm just trying to win some professional wrestling titles here, and everybody is trying to make it so damn personal, so fine. I will go to Mania, and I will take Roman Reigns' titles personally. That was good wordplay. So basically what we have done is we've taken this whole story and we've made it even better by inserting Cody Rhodes right into it and we gave him a personal tell to tell. I love how good everybody is at playing their roles and I say that all the time and it's so boring. But if you are not watching this, all you need to know is it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. This is how you get one bald a-hole excited for WrestleMania. And then Montez Ford beat Elias. Right. And it was pretty hard to get into this because nobody in their right mind thought Mr. Elias Bloom 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 was going to win, and he didn't. The absolute highlight is when Montez Ford does that crazy over the turnbuckle dive. He does do. He hit the frog splash. One, two, three, and he is going to the elimination chamber. Now, going back to what we were talking about earlier, let's make sure we do give him a push, especially if 2023 is his year. And once more, if he won the United States Championship, am I going to moan about that? No, I am not. This did its job, I suppose. Up. Also important to know that Austin Theory was on commentary throughout all of this. And at the end, when he went to pose on Alan the Announce table, Seth Rollins teleported in and he hit this curb stomp that Austin Theory sold so damn well. Seth then danced his way to the back. That's just what he does. All this did mean that Raw was going to end with our big women's steel cage match. I actually thought this was excellent. It was also Becky Lynch versus Bailey with damage control at ringside. And early on, Bailey was just whipping her ass, throwing her into the steel cage, and hitting one of those sunset flip power bombs. Even when Lynch tried to hit the manhandle slam, Bales reversed it into a back suplex and once again threw her into the steel. And if you wanted to bite into this the way you were meant to, you'd be all like, oh no, Becky's in trouble. Lynch was so desperate she even tried crawling to the cage door, but Bailey was having none of that. When they went and did a little bit of a tussle on the top rope. And I was like, well, there's no way this can end well. And it didn't when Bailey grabbed Bex and gave her the Bailey to belly from the top. That was stupid. Amazingly, it only got a two. So Bailey was like, all right, well, if I can't pin you, I'm going to escape the cage. But this is when Lynch caught up with her. And of course, she did the disarmor up there. Because why the hell wouldn't you? It got even more ridiculous because Bailey kind of fell back into the ring. And that made me feel all heebie-jeebie. And just when Becky Lynch was going to escape... Damage control, like, well, we better help our boss. And they started to stop her. Damn these fools. This is when Becky's ace in the hole was revealed, though, because Lita's music hit, and I had to process my brain, like, am I actually hearing Lita's music, or am I having some kind of meltdown? And because she is basically still part of the Hardy clan, even though she was running out to make the save, she had to do her dance first. Honestly, I can't handle it anytime anybody does this. It's like somebody is playing WWE 2K and accidentally hits the taunt stick. What are you doing? Somebody is being beat up. She was able to take one of Dakota Kai's crutches, though, a bonk EO Sky on the head before she gave her a twist of fate, which, of course, meant back in the ring, Becky Lynch hit the manhandle slam. She got the one, two, three, and finally, she had defeated the thorn in her side known as Bailey. So this was a really fun match, and Lita and Becky celebrated afterwards, and it does leave the question, is this a one-off that we were meant to do at Raw 30, hence why Lita would get involved? Or when we get to WrestleMania, are we doing something like... Lita and Becky Lynch versus Bailey, and a pun of her choosing. Who the hell is that going to be? The fans really got into this as well, though, and you could probably make the argument that maybe it was better doing it this way than two weeks ago. Either way, it's getting it up. Which did indeed bring us to the end of Monday Night Raw, and you can just tell we're heading to WrestleMania because everything is so damn focused right now. So it is going to get an up. And while I do have you, look on the magical screen, or very soon, there's a video for another ups and downs. 
I would go give it a click. Also, please do like the video, share the video, and subscribe, and leave a comment below. Go to whatculture.com and make sure you follow us on social media so we can be engaged forever. My name is Simon from What Culture. Goofy wrestling for life. See you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.